because if you didn't break down, then you're not going to be challenged and you're not going to be evolved. Okay, and we're here to evolve as beings. Completely. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Anyone Anywhere podcast. So today we have the mental coach Nuno Matos. Let me do a quick intro about Nuno. Nuno holds a PhD in sports science and a master in integral coaching. Nuno is a former national swimmer and also a former jiu-jitsu athlete. Currently, Nuno, do, Nuno does surf and he also runs marathon and also, as he likes to say, he goes to the gym. Nuno works as a mental coach in sports and sports athletes, coaches and parents of athletes to overcome common challenge and difficulties in high competition sports. Nuno's mission is to unleash the top athletes performer whilst making their lives more fulfilling. How are you today, Nuno? Good. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure Thank to you be so here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. How is it? I like to, the first question that I like to ask to my guests is how is everything with the, the current times in Portugal and with your family? Well, yeah, thankfully, all is good. You know, I, coronavirus has, uh, or this crisis has blessed me and my wife with a beautiful daughter. She's five months now. She was born on the 13th of April, right in the epicenter of the pandemic. So uh, it was, it's a, we, we can have wonderful gifts in the midst of stormy times. Um, and that was the case. But uh, yeah, fortunately, very blessed to say that my family is well, my friends are well, and I've, I've uh, really, not met personally anyone who's, who's seriously suffered from coronavirus infection. Um, so in a way, I'm fortunate. I know that a lot of people are suffering from this virus, but um, you know that's my my situation. Uh, I think it's beautiful, and yeah, it's it's beautiful, like the the the, the flower in the middle of the cows like and congratulations first of all to you and to your wife uh, so thank you so much can you tell me a little bit about of your story for the listeners and viewers that still don't know you please yeah uh well it's a long story uh, and i'll try to uh cut a lot of unimportant pieces so i give you the general idea in my 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 story is one of um of, um, you know, a very curious uh, and active child. Um, that's how I was brought up. Um, I was put to, to swim at the age of three. And uh, by the age of seven, eight, I was already uh, sports coach or so swim coaches were noticing me. So they picked me up for a, a more developed squad. And you know, quickly I was uh, starting to enter in my first tournaments and um, and eventually, you know, I grew grew up or developed to become a national level swimmer. I was national champion, 200 butterfly was my main event. I also swam medley, 400 medley was a very strong event for me as it was 200 backstroke. Um, and so uh, 
you know, I learned to to train a lot, to de dedicate myself to something a lot. Um, you know, training twice a day, three times a week from the age of 13 onwards. Uh, so I'd be waking up at 6.30 after the swimming pool and at 8.30 I would start classes in school. And then, you know, lunchtime, go home, have lunch, study or rest a bit. And then at 5.30, back at swimming pool for the evening session, which was the main one. Weekends would be uh, competitions. And so that's that's how I, I really grew my adolescent years was um, I was um, I was not going out, I was not socializing, I was uh, extremely, extremely focused on my swimming career and school, but school would be, in my view at the time, was coming second for me, so I was, always put more emphasis and focus on, on my swimming, I thought, you know, because I wanted to become an Olympic swimmer and that those were my, uh, my aspirations as an athlete, as a swimmer. Um, and, you know, it happens that when you train so much and if the training load is not well calibrated and balanced, and then if you have other aspects of your life that are not being, that people are not putting attention on, either your parents or your sports coach or your teachers at school, you may start to develop a, an unbalance that uh, science has given the name of overtraining. And so overtraining um, has to do with extremely high training loads, but it has to do with a lot more stuff than that, you know. And overtraining is normally perceived at first, it's overtraining, so it's overloading the athlete. But overtraining is not just training load, load. it is training load and more stuff and it's to do with the athlete psychology with the athlete's identity with the athlete's personality with the athlete's relationships with sports coach parents you know with how he perceives the sport when he competes etc um, and it's to do with the system that supports you um, do i have easy access to doctors and uh, physiotherapists when i'm injured or is this hard do i have financial support for uh, my travels, etc. Because when you don't have that, then that's a systemic part of your life that directly influences and impacts your sport, and influences and impacts your physiology. So, so I'm basically saying that um, overtraining comes from a multi-factor um, of, of causes, and so you can take different perspectives when looking at overtraining. And that's um, when I. Um, when I finished my degree in Coimbra University and I graduated from sports science, I went straight to England for a master's in Exeter University and, uh, and I was continuing to study training adaptations. Um, I wanted to, there was, there was one question that I always had as a swimmer, like, why is it that, um, you know, a lot of the swim coaches, you know, get their athletes uh, top performance in the exact right time where the nationals 
were happening and you could you could swim two two weeks before in the regional championship and 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 be you know and not, not do good performances because the load was was very heavy and then they would uh, put the load down the volume down keep the intensity high and uh, and boom you would uh, you would do what we call the overcompensation so when you get rest then now the body is going to overcompensate and it's going to be sharp and so that always fascinated me and uh, i really was curious already about these physiological adaptations why is it that you're so low and two weeks later you're boom in a new level and so this interest of how things work this way in the body physiology um, and how they work uh, was something that was always a big curiosity but then um, you know i was saying that during my career about the age of 16 17 i started experiencing what you'd call this syndrome of overtraining or the symptoms of overtraining which would knock me out like uh, my immune system i'd get tonsillitis pretty frequently uh, i was having tonsillitis like twice or three times a year a season and normally they would come at the close to the big competitions you know so it was it was really tough when you're preparing training so hard and then one week before or you know two days before before you're starting to feel not good you're starting to feel ill fever coming sore throats and all these symptoms developing again and so um i didn't know that this was called overtraining my coach didn't know at the time people you know science was not you know so followed as it is now maybe in germany they would know what was happening with me but in portugal at the time no and so um, it was when I um, did one year of Erasmus. I, I skipped this part. When I, the third year of my undergrad, I went to England at Exeter University to do one year doing sports science there, you know. And uh, one of the modules I had, um, actually, the guy who became my supervisor in my PhD, um, I read a chapter on overtraining. And I was really curious that as I started reading, I was like, these are all the symptoms I was experiencing. Shit, you know, um, I, need to, I need to learn more about this because I want to solve this, you know. So that, that, um, that curiosity and will to, to sort of solve the overtraining problem or phenomena uh, stick with me. I went back to Portugal, graduated, and then back to England, back to the same university. Exeter University, one year of masters, and I was preparing for my PhD. And it, you know, so I knew that now what I want to do is one, I want to find out what the heck happened to myself because I was training so much and I couldn't do it. And number two, I want to help athletes who are suffering from this. Um, and so that became my uh, that was that was my vision, and um, you know. Uh, at the age of 21 is the time I burned out from swimming. Um, so I, at, by, at this time, I was no, no longer training those extreme loads because I was starting to get demotivated because I tried enough, I tried enough and enough, and it just became too much. And there's a point like you throw the towel down and, uh, and you say, I give up, you know. But you, I said goodbye to swimming with a 
contraction, you know, and um, that's not healthy, you know, saying goodbye to a sport uh, that gave me so much and made me so much of who I am, where I spent so many hours and then I was looking back at swimming and like detesting swimming, hating swimming. This is not healthy, but it's understandable that if you're leaving the sport, like you could say that the gift the sport has given me is like all this suffering. Um, apart, you know, obviously there's good times and high times, but um, to leave the sport like that and not wanting to step foot in a swimming pool for, for um, so 21 to 27, I didn't step foot in a swimming pool. So for six years, I, uh, I created this uh, shadow. Like, and so at the same time, I'm uh, 25, 26, I'm starting my PhD. And at the age of 28, halfway through my PhD, um, where I was already looking into overtraining, people knew that uh, there's a few people at the university campus that knew that I had been a good swimmer and they had their uh, university swimming team. And so they invited me. And at the time I was like, ah, nah, nah. And then I was like, well, why not? Now I feel more resolved inside and why not? Why not give it a go and just do it in a healthier way with a new mindset and you know and and that's what i did um and so for one year i i swam for exeter uh, university swim club and uh, i i did some couple of pvs on short distances not on the not more than 50 meters because that was not i was still training jiu-jitsu at the time of the ready purple belt by that time um and so you know, the, then I wanted to, really wanted to um, expand my knowledge of science in what comes to learning about overtraining, how it works physiologically. So I was looking at uh, immune parameters, hormonal parameters, blood parameters like lactates, and, um, heart rate variability. But I was challenging my supervisors to do more than that, than just use the, psycho the physiology, which is is um, considered like the, the gold, golden science in sports science and also in many other disciplines uh, like medicine, for example, um, because uh, you know, that's their way, that's their mode of operating. And um, I, looking back at my experience and the stuff that I was learning there at the university, I was questioning a lot of stuff and I started to question like physiology cannot explain everything so if i just do a phd based on physiology like you know all my other colleagues are doing hmm. it's not it's not going to paint the picture that we want to paint so i challenged them i realized no like my psychology was affecting me i was clearly a very insecure athlete i had no confidence in myself i had no killer instinct i had you know i was very asleep in a way um, and, and I could look at my relationship with my father and my coach and the culture that was present in swimming at that time, which was a very, uh, a stab in the back, you know, mm. everyone was speaking the back of other coaches and I'm better than him. And so I grew up, you know, with all this unhealthy culture 
and a very pressuring father uh, who, uh, although he was extremely present and, uh, and that was his way of showing support, it, it, the way he did it, and he didn't have that intention, but it, it hurt me a lot. And uh, um, it, didn't, it wasn't so good for me. And was one of the reasons why I was uh, lacking so much confidence, because I was like almost, not almost, I was swimming for my dad. Uh, so if I swam well, it was all good and amazing. But if I didn't swim well, it was horrible. Mm. And um, so I, 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 I could see these patterns in my experience in the past. And I'd studied the physiology a lot by that time. And I still couldn't find like, okay, so it must be there's more stuff that's uh, contributing to this problem. Um, and so that's how... You know, I challenged my supervisors. Yeah, we including psychology and sociology and physiology, and so we'll include these three disciplines on our on our thesis. My first supervisor, he was um, he's younger. He was he could see, yeah, that's making sense. It's like I'm gonna go, or we're all gonna go into a road that we don't have much experience because they were um, their their knowledge was built on physiology, you know, not psychology or mm. sociology. And so I, um, um, I challenged and, you know, my second supervisor then eventually he, he couldn't say no. And uh, so we moved forwards. And through this, there was a lot of criticism because I was in a department. I mean, it was, I was in a um, children's health and exercise research center that just received a massive grant from the queen to build an MRI scanning units for looking at you know muscular contraction but at the level at the cellular level ATP breakdown on a child's uh, gastrocnemia for example you know on the calf so it was like amazing equipment for research and uh, but everyone around there was physiology oriented so they would look into psychology sociology as like that's wishy-washy mates that's not hmm. clear that's like not really real you know so don't go there so i i had to to, to go through a lot of this and um, and eventually you know prove my prove prove my point that you know i i i, I had a an intuition and then experience base that I was going in the right direction. But this was tough. And so halfway through my PhD, I come across a guy named Ken Wilbur, who, um, who I became, you know, fascinated by what he created. He's still alive. Um, and he, he has created what for me is a, a masterpiece and still people are not really paying attention to this guy's work. Um, and he, I basically saw something that said uh, integral theory. And this integral theory, reading it at first, the first thing you read about integral theory is that there are four main perspectives, there are four main quadrants of reality. And they, in short, they um, um, inform for the perspectives we take and that these four main perspectives that Petra emerge moment to moment, wherever we are, with whatever phenomena we're looking into, they're here present, 
as I'm speaking to you, and they were never away. Um, but he basically says there are exterior dimensions of reality and there are interior dimensions. The exterior are objective, the interior are subjective. There are a perspective of an individual perspective, if we're just looking at like me, for example, as an athlete, or one ATP molecule in my body, you know, that's also a, a unit, an individual unit. So we can look at, you know, things as parts, so we can divide them, and that's an individual perspective we're taking. Or if one more ATP cell comes close, that makes a collective, okay? So you can, you basically have four main perspectives, which is the in interior and exterior of the individual and the collective, okay? So these four perspectives are ever present and they're ever emerging and manifesting. And basically this uh, gave me the confidence that I was going in the right direction. So I'm gonna finish the PhD. Now cut the long story short, you know, finish the PhD um, and um, then I'd, by that time, I'd looked into enough into the sports psychology. I wasn't totally happy because I felt it was um, very superficial, you know, mm. and very cognitive. Something I can say is extremely cognitive. But we have other dimensions other than just a cognitive dimension, which is basically the ability to take perspectives. Okay? That's a cognitive intelligence. That's the QI or the IQ. We have up to 24 lines of intelligence, okay? Humans have different streams of consciousness or intelligence that, that inform for different things, okay? The main one is cognitive, but there's others, you know? There's emotional intelligence, there's moral intelligence, there's somatic intelligence, so on and so on. So um, I just, you know, finished my PhD and I delved into integral theory and then I was trying to find a way, okay, I want to work with athletes and what sports psychology has given me doesn't look like it's enough and therefore I need something because I don't want to work with athletes. I want them not to experience overtraining or I want them to recover from overtraining if that's what they're experiencing. And um, eventually I found, you know, about uh, one year after my PhD, I found a school of coaching that was called Integral Coaching Canada. And I realized that these guys picked Ken Wilber's integral theory and applied it to coaching, okay? And I became fascinated again, and I said, again, they were releasing their first courses at that time. This is 2011, 12, uh, in Amsterdam. So they started in Canada, but by this time, they were starting to open up courses there in Amsterdam. So I was living in England, I could pop in there and um, and so this training took me two years to complete. I was a proper rigorous training to become a coach. And so you become a coach in Integral Coaching Canada, not just to, um, um, you know, uh, help others, but you're in the process of helping others or in the process of training myself to become a coach. I'm having um, um, uh, deep, inner work as as I go through. As I learn the method, I'm also learning about myself, you know. And so this stuff really, really um, captivated me and uh, made all sense to me. And then, you know, I graduated from Integral Coaching Canada in June 20, uh, 
14 and you know returned to portugal and i launched myself starting to work with clients and i thought it was going to be easy and and it, and it wasn't <laughs> to create a business because i had no idea what business was or managing a business or you know i only cared about the method and working with humans in this case athletes but then then life started teaching me some good lessons and you know, here I am today. You know, and I, I, and I've, I've been doing it. You know, full time, uh, with lots and lots of struggles in between, and um, and and now I'm here. I think it's a great it's a long story. story. No, like it's a. I think a great story. It has to be also a long story, and it's a lot. Since a national champion. Like to be taking the PhD that you you study in Coimbra after you went to UK, and exactly. in the present days you are integral coaching. Let's for the ones that don't know what is integral coaching. I was reading a little bit in your website that I will put after in the description. Can you explain us a little bit? A yeah, little bit so more? integral coaching, integral coaching is a, a methodology since it's uh, taking the uh, wisdom of the integral theory by Ken Wilber, then it did very well in looking at all the schools of coaching in the world and picking up the stuff that mattered and that worked, okay? Because normally what you get is like different schools, schools of thought, and that applies to different schools of coaching. They stick to their truth. And normally they're coming from one fixed perspective and they don't realize there's at least three more perspectives that are influencing that phenomenon. So what Integral Coaching Canada did is like, okay, so there's all these perspectives. Let's see where each school is coming from. And now let's take what seems to be the best from each of these schools and put it in a, a coherent framework that allows you to really work with the human being and work with the human being. So in a way where you're not forcing your wisdom or your knowledge onto your clients. Everyone's got their own wisdom. You're just facilitating the client to access their own wisdom and make their own choices whilst building muscles to, to embody a new way of being in their own topic or challenge that they're working on, you know. Um, so it's a school of embodiment where change is sustainable. It doesn't go away when the coach goes away, which is normally the case for many schools of coaching. Yeah. And it's also normally the case for a lot of schools of coaching that the coach is telling you, this is the way it goes. And so there can be no challenge from you to myself. And I'm still coming from here to down here. Mm. Whereas when I meet a client, I'm meeting a full-on human being with pains and blind spots and shadows that I also have pains and blind spots and shadows. So uh, I'm just there to really try to look as the client, not just look at the client, hmm. which is also normally the case in coaching schools. So there's this separation 
where you're staying here just analyzing and interpreting. And this becomes very analytic and it lacks, once you get into the method, you realize how much it lacks heart, hmm. you know? So it's like, you always have the answers like, uh, no, myself as a coach, when I meet the client, I, I'm just trying to be as open as possible and uh, not get in the mode of, okay, I know exactly what to do with you, know exactly where you're going through. No, I really want to emphasize, empathize with the coach and connect at a deep, deep, deep level with the clients, so, so coaches, mm -hmm. clients. So it's a school of embodiment where when we're being trained, you're realizing that the instruments, apart from the theory that we have, which is a lot and is rigorous, you start to use the self as instrument for change. So it's like my whole being when I'm coaching is being used as a channeling of Ooh. what's best for the client okay and uh for me this is it's mind-blowing you know blew me away it changed my life integral coaching canada i have no hesitation to say how much it changed my life how much it helped me to go from an arrogant prick to um, a more humble person you know as as life threw me shit to my face and told me in a way without saying anything um take it easy man you know don't be so infatuated with who you are and what you have and what you've learned and etc and so um you know it's a it's a school of embodiment and it's a school of deep and lasting change yeah, that, that integrated the best, integrated East with West. And um, yeah, into this beautiful method. What you mean by integrate the East with the West? Can you explain a little bit more on that? Sure. Sure. So, um, because um, there's a lot of uh, methodologies that, um, you know, coming from the West, you have more scientific methodologies, the analytic methodologies, the very concrete and objective ways of working. And then you look into the East and there's more subjective methods or methodologies, right? You have, for example, meditation. Um, you have the Tai Chi, you have the martial arts. The, they all came from the East, you know? So there's so much wisdom there. And because the West, the way the West developed was more like those quadrants when I was speaking, like exterior quadrants. Um, it led us as, as a whole or a Western society to not only think or look at the East in superiority terms, uh, but also look at, East, at the East as, as wishy-washy. That's, that's like crazy stuff. You know, things have changed now. There's been more integration now. So meditation mm -hmm. is not now like, oh, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's suddenly coaching is not like, oh, you're, you're sick or, you know, five mm -hmm. years ago, it was like, what's coaching or psychology? So, um, so joining East with West is precisely bringing the ways of seeing 
the world in the East and the ways of seeing the world in the West. So the objective with the subjective and bringing them closer. So bringing specific aspects of the methods or each of those methods into work together. Okay. As opposed to saying, no, I was born in the West. And so science or concrete stuff is all I care and I can identify with. So that's bullshit or saying those guys there, no, we don't need your science and you know, science is bad and da, 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 you know? So, um, yeah, does that answer the question? I think, yes, I wanted also to ask you if you can give me an example, because uh, I know that you work with one of the, our previous guests, uh, Pedro Ramalho. What is, just to have a practical idea, what is a work with a top athlete, a world champion? Yeah, it's, it's awesome and such privilege to have worked with Paquito and we still stay in contact. Because what happens at the end of a coaching program is that there's a, because of the depth that you went into, um, you, you, you build this massive connection, human connection, you know, something we lack so much these days, you know. And so without me wanting it or, uh, or doing something to keep the, the connection, it just naturally stays there. It's impossible, you know, because where... Where we go during those months, it's like some very special places and, and um, people tend to not forget the special places or special experiences they've had in their lives. Uh, how is it to work with a, a world champion? Well, you know, hmm. I don't, I think I don't see it so much to what is it like to work with a world champion. I'm, I'm seeing it more or experiencing it more or how, how I approach that is, it's not that I'm not going to remember that he's a world champion, but it's like, what I really want to remember is that he's a human being. And, um, and that's the most important thing for me because It's not because this is a world champion or not a world champion that I'm going to coach him differently, you see. So I'm, he sits in front of me. He may have earned 10 gold medals in the Olympics. He's still a human being. And so that's what I, and that's what I want to honor, you know, my clients. is our full humanity that so often is not honored. And so we get to repress aspects of our own humanity. Um, we get to repress them because they're not well seen or not welcome or, you know, and that leads to a lot of suffering. So for me to coach Paquito was like, you know, uh, it was extremely special. Don't get me wrong, but like so many of my programs are. If my client is full on with me, And man, it doesn't matter if he's a world champion or if he's whatever, you know. It's such a special thing. That's why it's the work I do, I feel so privileged because it puts me in this position of receiving a human being with her or his pains and uh, views and perspectives, etc. 
and uh, I get the I get the blessing and the privilege to to have the opportunity of working with this human being, and and the, the work that comes out of it is 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 um, extremely uh, fulfilling fulfilling for me as a as a human being as a citizen as a father as a friend as a you know a son and it it just um, fulfills you at, on many levels that um, I think unless you experience it it's maybe not so easy to understand um, I'm not I, I'm not even sure that I can pass this message well is this making sense for you I think I think it, it it's making sense I, I will take try to do a resume and after you Nunu will tell me if I'm wrong or not so it doesn't matter if it's Paquito that, that is a world champion or not. You see it, all of us or all of your clients as human beings. So your kind of approach, I will say that is unique with each person independent of your previous achievements that you have. Okay. I think, yeah. I think Could it's... Could be working with Tony... Tony Robbins, and I still know he's a human being with his own pains and shadows. Exactly. No, he's still a person, like you said it. And, and I think I, I like the idea because also you said it something before about the sustainability of your coaching. Because sometimes you see the coaching, it's something addicted that you have to always come back. Right. What you mean by that? Can you tell me a little bit more also? Well, yeah, because so any, any program that I start with a client, I finish. I finished all, I completed all my programs. It has a beginning, middle, and end. And by the end, our last session, it's called completion session. We have an actual session that's prepared for us, you know? And so I was taught during my training that you're, you're not sticking with your client forever. Many coaching schools do that. You don't do that because that's the same as that's the analogy I use as picking, as seeing a bird with a broken leg on, you know, on the, on the, on the street and you see that the bird is suffering. So you pick it up and bring it home. You feed it for a while. You heal the leg. And then what are you going to do? Going to keep the bird for yourself or you're going to set the bird free? Because if you don't set the bird free, he's never going to have the opportunity to fully explore the new recovered leg. It's the same. It's the essence of life. If I stick to the client forever, he's going to unconsciously develop a dependence with me that's not going to be healthy at all. So a lot of sports psychologists, sports psychologists stick and coaches stick with their clients forever for hmm. a long long period of time that for me doesn't make much sense hmm. I think it's, it's, and can we talk a little bit more about the program itself what it consists can you give me right. some more insights so, if... right okay so um so these uh, coaching programs um each coaching program like so i i, I don't work with uh, for less than three months with someone because change doesn't happen like that. Okay. Change that comes like that. I'm always, mm, I twist my nose. I'm skeptical because I know an insight is not enough to produce sustainable change. 
An insight is enough to produce change, but an insight is not enough to produce sustainable change. For sustainable change, you need to add new muscles to your, to the eye in you, the self in you, okay? So I call these inner muscles. They're not physical muscles like we have. Physical muscles are finite, okay? I think they're 206 in the body, in the body we have as human beings. But in our inner dimension, interior dimension, they are infinite. There's no limits to the capacities or muscles that one can build, okay? So, um, so I see my clients, so three months minimum mm -hmm. to six to nine, and nine is normally, that's the final bit, find the end. Um, and then I, we have a sequence of, or a cadence of every two weeks, I'm seeing the client in a session here. Okay, so before this call, I was, I was with the client. And why the two weeks in between? Well, because every session the client leaves with a new practice, okay? This practice is gonna challenge the client in certain capacities or inner muscles that they don't have yet fully developed or they need more strength there. And therefore, during these two weeks, he adds the practice on a, on a daily basis and he starts to see the world with new eyes. Mm. But so the only thing I'm telling the client to do is like, okay, this is going to be your next practice. But even when I do this and I offer the, my suggestion to the client, because it's all a very creative process in the moment, um, depending on what developmental objective we're working on. And so, so I have this, you know, I have my ICC method full on on my back and then it's like self. And so I invite the clients as I offer the practice, I invite the clients, I ask him, how does this land? What else could we do with this practice that maybe is going to make it, you know, really right on the spot, you know? Um, and so the client can give some certain feedback. Okay, maybe I could do this way. And I said, oh, okay, that's spot on. That's enough. So I keep the practices simple but powerful. Okay, and then two weeks he's doing this parallel. He'll have daily questions and weekly questions, specifically made for this specific practice that he will have to be answering on a on a sort of daily basis it can be three to five times a week and then you'll have the weekly questions at the end of the first week of work and then he goes back to the daily questions for another week week weekends boom we have the session okay so and this process you really um you start to see a new a new being evolved starting to manifest with slight nuances on how they're thinking what they're doing what they're worrying about, you know, and, uh, you know, depending on the progress of the clients, he will go from a current, his own current way of being, and he'll grow into a new way of being. And that's also why that this method uses metaphors. I, we use a, so I have to offer a metaphor to the clients. This all happens on the second session after I've done the exploration of the topic on the first session, you know, in between between the first and the second, there's no practices. So uh, we do the exploration of the topic, 
finish the session, I go home, do my homework. So I prepare the coaching program, which involves, you know, creating these two images, two metaphors, one that describes the current way of being of the client. And the other one, the new way of being is going to help support and inspire the client through his growth. Okay. Now, why do we work with the current way of being? Well, because we're all in automatic pilot. I include myself there in many areas of my life. Okay. I'm not perfect. And it's, it's just, that's the way we are. You know, we go into automatic pilot because we can be functional in this way, but at certain points in our lives, this functionality starts to break down. Okay. This is all part of growth because if it didn't break down, then you're not going to be challenged and you're not going to evolve. Okay. And we're here to evolve as beings completely, you know? And so the, um, the adding of practices or capabilities from the current way into the, uh, as you, as you develop through the coaching starts to create this new way, new way of being. And it starts to be embodied. It's not coming just from here. Coming from here is only at the beginning of the coaching with the practices daily to the embodiment. Hmm. So that, so that you, that's why it's integral method because the mind, the head is being considered and included and neck down is also being considered and included. Okay. So when we have a, uh, so when we are automatic or uh, beings or when we are in automatic pilot, that means that a lot of shit goes unnoticed about myself. Okay. So when a client comes and says, Oh, I have this thing. I've got nerves before competition and stuff. I want to start a coaching program. I never go. Okay. So you need a new way of doing stuff because the way you're doing it is not working, right? So you need a new way of working. And if you, if you approach the client in this manner, somehow, most likely unconscious, in rare cases, consciously, he's getting the message that who I was and who I've been up until now has had no use because he's, he's, he's getting rid of almost like, okay, just need a new, new way. So what about honoring who I was up until now? Because that brought me here. Plus, that's going to be the, the base to move to a sustainably to a new way. Okay. So if you start straight away working for your new way and doing practices, that's fine. But you don't know your current way because it's automatic, it's unconscious. You know what's going to happen? Is that at a certain point, you're going to think that you're in your new way of being. And then suddenly you start having. Um, uh, regression like mm. your 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 old version uh, your old version which is still the current way but you, the client would say oh my old version is coming back no your old version is not coming back it's always been there but you haven't looked into it yet so you want to start exploring something you need to know the territory that you are right now when you start to know your current way and start to handle it more and more. Now you have a basis to build your new way. So the first practice, first practice, all my first practices to any client is to get to know your current way. So for the first two weeks, he's gonna, I'm gonna put him in 
certain context where he's going to pay attention to certain things, doesn't matter now. And then in two weeks time, he's going to come like, ah, I had these insights. I didn't know I was doing this and I didn't know I was thinking like this. And it's really interesting. And, and then I was like, okay, we're ready to go now. Now we start building muscles for your new. So what happens is that the, your new way of being at the end of the coaching program includes and transcends your current way. If we consider this your current way, and this is your new way, your new way goes with everything. It's not like get rid of the current way and there you go, your new way. It doesn't happen. It's fake. It's uh, an illusion. And most coaching schools work like that. I love the idea. I love the idea. And let's see also, too, if I understand, if I, it's evolution of yourself, you know, you don't let to, 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 you don't put yourself in the trash and pick it up somebody's method. No, you evolve. You it's like Dragon Ball, you know, it's a, a better version of yourself, you know, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I yeah. will describe exactly. it easier, easier as itself. And I see. And I think it's amazing the idea. And you were talking also about meditation. That is, I think that we can say that is part of the process. Can you tell me a little bit more? What, what is the, the kind of, of methods of tools that you use to put the people in the present of stopping to be in that automatic pilot? Mm -hmm. I normally ask them first question, uh, what's present for you right now? What's present for you in your thoughts? What's present for you emotionally? So what's the emotion or the emotions that are popping up now? And what's your body like? Okay, so straight away, it's like questions that bring you here right now. So this is the main language because I work with what's available now in the infinite sequence of nows that we have in life, a part of the essence of love. Um, so don't get me wrong that maybe you're thinking I'm putting all my clients to meditate. Not in a million years, right? Because I'm putting a few clients to meditate if they need so. Okay. okay. Uh, surely that uh, meditation is a very good practice for many, many people. But there's a few people that meditation is going to be a heck of a challenge, you know, because the practice of meditation is a, a low energy resourceful practice. That's how I would categorize it. But if the, per the client you're working with is extremely anxious with certain stuff, his energy now is not going to be low. It's going to be high. It's not going to be, resourceful it's going to be unresourceful so if we're continually in a state of anxiety we're not uh, regenerating ourselves not like finding the good foods if you're mm -hmm. thinking about energy foods right mm -hmm. so it's unresourceful so now you're so meditation is here in terms of energy and anxious client is here in terms of energy you're asking this guy to sit and count his breath. He's not going to make it unless he lies to you. Because when he sits, he's going to start moving because the body needs to. So what you need to do is you elevate the energy of the practice you give him. So it matches where they are at 
And then when it starts to show signs of improvement, if it's still important for the client's challenge, you bring it down and you offer some resourceful practices with low energy. So yeah, so, 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 so meditation, yoga, uh, Tai Chi, you know, these are all disciplines that I've offered practices to my clients. I just go where it's good. I can give a practice that's stretching. For example, I sometimes a client that comes with a lot of tension on their shoulders, a lot of anger, mm. and uh, their posture is more like this, you know? So they're all contracted here. Yeah? So a simple practice to work with the body, you know, for a new way of being, is like every morning when you wake up, you're gonna do 10 minutes of stretching your anterior muscles. Okay, because you want the new way of being to unfold to something like this, more resourceful. Not like here, that's the current way of being, right? So you need to come here, okay? So with the practices, they start getting there, you know? And the clients, it all makes sense to the client as you're offering. So you're not, you're not pushing a practice onto the client um, when you're sensing or he's telling you that, or she's telling you that it, it's, I don't understand why, or, and I keep going, oh, just, you have to do this, you have to do this. No. When the client's telling you mm, something not making sense, then you have to dig right away, what's going on? Because I really want to know. And so you really, you see, because I really want to know is the, the posture or the approach I take. Because I'm not, I don't know everything. It's, it's like, tell me, because I really want to know. Right? And so the client can quickly, they trust you. You know, I've had this being told many times, first session. Like, I spoke about things that I've never spoken in my life with anyone. And five minutes into our conversation, I knew I could trust you somehow. I don't know why, you know. And I believe that that's that that's being the self as instrument being used in a, in a coaching setting. That and we're 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 beings of such deep divine intelligence that we have these channels, but because we are so blocked and contracted in many dimensions of self, you don't get to feel that consciously you know it's just like unconsciously can sense something you know um yeah did i answer your question yes yes and more more yes and more than and more than and comes also with some questions also because i'm really uh, you were talking about the 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 different uh, blocks how we can break that blocks of sometimes we'll say society our our way of living nowadays, the, 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 we are all the time, we, we don't stop. How we can break that? Like a, a tip for a normal person that you can give it to start it today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough because we, through the years of evolution, you know, our society and us as individuals in, a, in this bigger society, um, we've gone through wars and devastation and many, you know, difficult cycles humanity has, as humanity unfolded and always with a, an, an evolution, right? Um, and um, through these wars and famine and stresses and sexual abuses, you know, hmm. physical abuses, whatever, you know, so much suffering in the world that at 
at an individual level, I have accumulated trauma, okay, that becomes deeply buried in my subconscious. So the psyche takes care of that. That's called the shadow. Mm. That was Freud's biggest, in my opinion, um, finding that he passed that's so, so important is that he discovered that the psyche does that. When we have a very difficult experience that we won't be able to process, okay, because maybe it's our father or our mother or our teacher, and I cannot challenge her because I have five years old or 10 years old, the psyche does something very interesting, which is to repress the pain you're feeling then, okay? And uh, so you don't get to feel it, so you can move on with your life, okay? And um, the problem is that this material or aspects of that pain that you have repressed, they will come, they will come later in the form of shadow, okay? So that's, um, uh, that would be the, the trauma, individual trauma mm. will manifest itself in the form of shadow. So shadow means that I'm projecting my own shit. I apologize for the language, but no, I think here is a no problem. No problem. You can yeah. say no yeah. problem. So I'm, 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 I'm picking my own shit without knowing because it's totally unconscious and I'm projecting it onto you, you know? So then he give you an example. Um, See if you can check your own shadow is, have you ever had a situation where you saw this guy entering a cafe or a bar or, or this person entering, doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl entering a bar and you felt something, ah, I don't like this guy, I don't like this guy, I don't like this guy. you know, uh, I've, I, I had uh, mm -hmm. many times this experience and I still have on a certain level, you know, that with the same intensity, but I still have. Um, and um, that's, that's because there's an aspect of yourself that unconsciously you're seeing on the other person and that's triggering you. So it's like you, what you hate about this guy is what you hate about yourself. So you need to do the turning. That's the shadow, okay? So in terms of what I could say to people is that one, you have individual traumas. So you need to try and deal with them, okay? And own the shit that you're projecting outside without knowing. So first thing is like, what am I projecting? That's the first mm. question. You need to know what you're projecting, okay? And then you need to do some work to own it. And there's loads of practices to do that. That's at an individual level. At the collective level, we are traumatized and we carry this from generation into generation. You know, Second World War was not so long ago. That created massive collective trauma. You know, Germany is where you're at. Yes, exactly. It's a country that carries a lot of trauma, just like Russia, just like Spain, France, England, you know, any country. Let's look at Africa, you know, Brazil, South America, Central America, all countries carry collective trauma that then became, becomes, um, becomes part of a, a collective way of being and it, it's imprinted into your culture. It's really hard to break down, you know? So um, what I could say is really, you know, um, turn the camera around, look at who you are right now and 
and do some work to start bringing what's unconscious to in front to put it in front of your eyes so you go aha uh -huh. ah if you don't do that at some point in your development that's because of something not doing being right okay, you need to bring the shadow into here and go ah do i really do that gosh i didn't know i was doing it you know that's a typical reaction of owning and normally it comes with tears you know because it's a very sensitive process so um yeah i mean and if you want to evolve and best advice I can give you is do it in as integral fashion as possible. And when I say integral, it's like proper Ken Wilber integral, not um, holistic, because I see many holistic coaches and um, or holistic approaches. I read many holistic approaches to overtraining, mm -hmm. and yet they were only considering that one perspective, outside individual exterior objective perspective. So we're using holistic because we're using a shitload of physiological parameters. That's only, that's still coming from one perspective. There's three more. So that's hmm. not, that's holistic within that perspective. That's not truly integral. You're leaving very important stuff aside. That's contributing to that problem you're trying to solve. So my best advice is do it in as integral fashion as possible. Exactly. And let's see, let's see if I understand. Integral, you mean not working just apparent, like one part of it, a mental, but the body also, the spiritual part, maybe, let's say. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I love your description of bringing your shadow. I will say one of the ways to do that is having a coach. I think it helps a lot. Uh, can you tell me and to the listeners and viewers also exercise that we can do it at home maybe tonight For, to to improve on your shadow exactly i don't know if it's possible even okay. yeah it, it is possible it is possible so let's let's um let's do it this way so pick one situation normally when you want to check for your shadow, you, um, you check for the people that really annoy you in your life. So do you have one or two or three? I have loads of them, you know, in my life that really proper getting to me. And I go like, <clears throat> you know, so when your reaction is that intense, that contraction is that intense, you have to become suspicious straight away that the shadow is in the mood, you know, and so think about people that uh, say you hate, for example, you detest, okay? So I hate that guy, I hate that girl, you know? It really pisses me off when she does this, or da, 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 you know? And um, pick a pen and paper, no mobile or computer, and start uh, to uh, speak uh, third person in third person language, okay? So you wanna speak you want to say like, I'm going to speak to the friend of this person that I detest. Mm. Yeah. And I'm going to tell all the shits I find about her or him. Yeah. So 
Um, so it's like language is like, uh, oh, I, I hate her because she was doing this to, to me, you know, um, she was a bitch because of this, 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 like she was third person language. You want to use third person language because you're coming from third perspective approach. Because that's where the shadow has been projected. So it goes from first person, like being an aspect of your psyche, of yourself, goes into second person and eventually third person. Okay, that's when it becomes the most distant to you. Mm. So it's like it goes into even like objects or cities become your shadow. I hate this city. I hate this city. Have you ever heard exactly. someone being annoyed because, oh, I fucking hate this city, you know? I hate this country, you know? So you bet that in that sentence, there's stuff about yourself that you're projecting upwards. And so actually stuff that you're seeing in the city is actually right there, okay? So or like put the cup, put the, the, the mobile in countdown for five minutes and you speak everything as if you're speaking to a friend of the person. Tell all mm. the shit you want about her. Really put it, go all out, you know, no boundaries. It's that's supposed to be, you're putting it on the paper, so you just put your whole truth there. Five minutes, it rings. Uh, take a deep breath and now move it to second person. So now you're going to speak to the one involved, to the person that really triggers you. And now you can tell her everything. But now you're not speaking, she did this, she did this to me. You know? You're going to say, you did this to me. And I hate it when you do this to me, right? You're speaking mm -hmm. in second person. So you went from third to second person. Okay, so you do that for five minutes again. Boom, 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 just put it off. And when you change, so there's gonna be a time that you're gonna finish saying all that you wanna say. Now you shift to their own skin and you mm -hmm. let them reply to you. And be curious to what comes out in your hands on paper because sometimes you already get curious there right it's very interesting because now you're getting in their own shoes maybe some compassion is going to start emerging as you start to come from his or her perspective you know yeah but you know it was hard you know and my parents were doing this to me blah, blah. maybe that was why and the final move when the time so then you, you can shift a bit in terms of you speaking for the person that triggers you speaking to you, okay, which is always going to be you, yeah. But you, sh you shift a couple of times. So let's go back and forth in those perspectives. And then you take a deep breath at the end, the five minutes. And when you're ready, you go and you now speak everything as first person. Okay, so now you move everything into I language, mm. into self language. So if uh, I hate you because you were doing this and this and that to me, it's like I hate myself because I was doing this and that and that to me. So you change everything to first person. And that comes with, a, if you do it properly, comes with a powerful somatic uh, experience at, at times, depending on how much trauma may be involved. Uh, what you experience in your body can be quite uh, uh, releasing or mm. 
you feel somehow alleviated because now you no longer have to spend energy throwing at others um, anymore because now you've started to see that actually this was all me the whole time it's not about her or him it's about me and that moment is a is a special moment always you know and so that's something you can do so think about someone that really annoys you really makes you angry you i bet you there's shadow there there's stuff that you're projecting on your daily life without knowing whatsoever. You have no clue you're doing it. And speak as third person, second person, and first person. So this is the three, two, one process. It's called. Sorry, can you repeat? It's called the three, two, one process. Three, two, one person. From third to first person perspective. And I love, I love the idea. And it's a way first to have empathy for the other person and after for yourself. And after, exactly. also to empower yourself, you know, because, and you know, it's much easier if I point the finger to you and I don't, man, I love the idea. I love so, the idea. So good to point the fingers, isn't it? Much so easier. Easy to point the fingers. <laughs> much yeah. easier. And, um, and, and it's, yeah, it's sad that it, it's that way, but that's the way it is. You know, humans are built as messy complex being mm -hmm. and let I, I also took some of, of not just this but from part of the conversation part of your coaching and tell me if i'm wrong please it's really based on intuition from you and from your client and self-awareness like i, I yeah but not just that then then the whole theory behind so exactly. that's what i was saying so it's like uh, first, I needed to learn the theory, you know, understand it here. Mm -hmm. And then through practicing uh, with coaching, then I start to to be not so much here in my head. Hmm. And this uh, method can start to become embodied in myself. So that when I'm coaching, it's naturally coming from me. Just like when you learn to ride the bike. You know, when kids learn it in the first few stages, they're working a lot, their heads. And they're, if you really notice, they're making an effort to understand, okay, the balance. And eventually that becomes embodied. So they don't no longer needing this cognition to be so activated, mm. you could say. And so they can now move to the body and it becomes embodied the learning of going into a bicycle okay same thing in jiu-jitsu first time you lo learn an arm lock how do you do the arm lock from the guard how do you do the arm lock from mounting how do you move to the black where you know uh you when you're learning it you're using more your mental faculties nothing wrong with that the problem is when you just stick to that hmm. and you don't move neck down you know because then, and so, so what do you do in jiu-jitsu to embody the arm lock or the different techniques of jiu-jitsu? You practice. You do one thing that's called practice. That's why practice is such a strong part of uh, this coaching method. Because with no practice, forget about it. You're not doing any embodiment. You're just doing head learning. 
and you can go like, ha ha ha. Oh yeah. Okay. I get this. Yeah. You can have amazing insightful and deep conversations with people and you go like, wow, yeah, I was doing that. Yeah. I never noticed. Yeah. Okay. So now I can change. And then because you haven't built any muscles, you have, you know, have no awareness of your um, uh, current way, then it just doesn't move forward. So, so in terms of answering your questions, I tend to deviate a lot. It's not easy mm, answers. No it's complex, you know. So, um, it's like you use cognition, you know, for the integral method, mm. but then you use the self. So mm. heart and intuition, okay, Good. would be would be the belly, the gut, <laughs> the gut, gut feeling, right? Exactly. <laughs> So, and then what you learn, what I learned during these two years is like to try to align mind with heart and intuition. If we get them aligned, these three very important points of your body, then coaching or this integral method just tends to flow from you. Okay. With no real effort and you go real deep with the client. It's wonderful, you know, you're not in the beginning when I started coaching, I was making a lot of efforts. So it's taking away a lot of energy from me, you know, at the end of each session, I'll be, oof, I'm tired, you know, and these days this is clearly changed through the years of practice and more and more embodiment of the methods. Um, so yeah, it's like, um, uh, mind, heart, intuition. Uh, body, mind, soul, spirit, um, and essentially, yeah. So soul and spirit would be the transcendent dimensions of the self in us. And so I need to always be working uh, my body some way my mind in some way, my soul in some way, my spirit in some ever-present awareness, you know. And you've got practices for each, loads of them, okay. So, so it's really an integral method um, where you're trying not to leave some very important dimensions of, of, of who we are uh, aside, just because you don't know it. So mm. you need a very good map um, and Ken Wilber provides an incredible, incredible and rigorous map of human beings, you know. And uh, so that's why it's a very, it's very complete. It's a very solid, coherent method. Um, and yeah, so you use, I'm not going to say you use everything because using everything is also um, can feel a bit chaotic and it does feel to me, but you use the important hmm. pieces that each school of thought and each dimensions of our beings have. Okay. And so if you do it this way, it's a more comprehensive, inclusive and um, effective way of working with change because that's what coaching works with, works with change. Beautiful. Change is fucking complex. 
So you better That's have a very complex method or theory behind it so that it matches our complexity. I like the idea because it's like, and I didn't knew about him before I studied a little bit about your your career, but I love the idea about the connection of all, because I think, in my opinion, you are right. You cannot work just the body or the mind or the soul or the spirit. You have spirit. to work as one. There you go. I there think you it's go. A really you have to nice. include these different dimensions in your practice, at least in your, in your awareness, you know, in your... Yeah. Mm. That I like also the idea be, to know, like you were saying, about your current image of yourself and what you want to achieve. You know, like mm. seeing the yeah, journey. The current way, the new way. Yeah. The journey. I think it's a nice idea. As opposed to just working with a new one. So forget who you were up until now. That's clearly not working. We need to fix you, get a new way. <laughs> And that's mm. not very helpful, but unfortunately, that's how majority of coaching schools or sports psychologists or psychologists are working, not caring at all from the for the current way, for what's present now, for who you are now. Psychiatrists, no one, not working, unless it's integral psychology or integral psychiatry or integral coaching. Mm. Then you work with that. Your connection. I think it's it's a really, really, really nice idea. And like for the people interested, I will put after the like I said at the website of Nuno that you can have a look to to understand better the idea. Now I I want to ask you: Do you know that you find your the your life meaning as a mental coach? Uh. uh... If I find my life meaning through... Uh, to through mental coaching, uh, your purpose in life, I like to ask to my... Mm. Oh, so if I found my... So if did I find my life purpose through Integral Coaching mental. Canada? You mm -hmm. mean? Maybe that would be the correct question. Okay. It no. is. No and yes. Mm. Like... My life purpose, I found it before I came across Ken Wilber's model or Integral Coaching Canada. My life purpose, I found, uh, yeah, a few months before I initiated my PhD in overtraining and burnouts. Because by that time, I was making the conclusions that um, I need, without using this, these words, I was basically saying, we need to look into the interior dimensions of human beings. That's what I did, I, you know, the interior dimensions of the self and the collective. That's what was lacking. We were just looking at the objective dimensions, the exterior, observable, measurable, quantifiable. So when you delve into interior dimensions, you don't see them in space and time. You don't see the emotion of love in space and time. You don't see the emotion of anger in space and time. But you feel it. And uh, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there, you know, that it's not true. So, uh, shit, lost my 
train of thought. Where, where was I going? What was the, oh, my life purpose. Yeah, so, um, when I was, so a few months before, that I was having these um, insights, a few months before I started my PhD, uh, I realized that I want to unpack overtraining and burnout in athletes so that then I can help them. And that was my first stage of my vision and my, and my mission or that I felt like, yeah, I can do a difference because I've been there, I'm studying it and next I can do a difference and because I suffered a lot. I knew that so many athletes are suffering. So many, so many, you know, suffered in the past and suffering right now. And, um, and so I could be useful if I work with athletes, not just to improve their performance, make them better human beings as well, but also deal with situations of overtraining and burnout and help them recover from that. So that was my first stage of vision is like, okay, I want to help these athletes overcome overtraining and burnout. And I want to help them empower their performance and their sports performance by delving on the interior dimension or the inner dimension of each athlete, which is not being done by the sports coaches. And it's not expected to be done because they haven't taken that training. Okay. Hmm. Um, so we just need to com complement you know, click. And so this was my, as I, the years of my PhD and then graduated from the PhD and then four years go by and I'm starting to work with a few clients, my first athletes, my first coaching programs. And in 2014, so I did my final training with Integral Coaching Canada. It was a, 10 month journey um, where I started to realize because this final training was really powerful and deep. It took me to face my own suffering and my own pain properly seriously you know and so when i was graduating then in june 2014 now i was slightly shifting the why i'm doing this because i realize when you look at it's when you look at yourself deeply you realize how much the world is suffering because now you can be humble enough to to recognize the suffering of others. And so ultimately, even if I'm working with an athlete, what I'm ultimately working, and this is my mission, I'm coming to my point, is I'm helping to alleviate the suffering of this human being. So that's what I do, you know. It's something that I'm proud of. I'm not singing it on the streets. It's rarely that I speak about this. Unfortunately, I would like to speak more because I'm very passionate for this, as you may see. But uh, what I'm ultimately doing and I really want to do is help human, 
help alleviate human suffering. In this case, it doesn't matter if it's an athlete or non-athlete. It's a human being. That's best, I believe, the, one of the most honorable things we can do is to help other humans, you know, evolve and alleviate their suffering whilst alleviating our own suffering. Because I have to keep checking with ICC, Integral Coaching Canada, to renew. Every year we're doing uh, inner work. We keep looking at our own shit, you know, because it keeps popping, boom, boom. You know, there's always new things popping up. And I'm like, oh, you're here, a new shadow. Uh -huh, I wasn't aware of, you know, all the time, all the time I'm exaggerating, but you know, it's, mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. it's a process, you know, it's like, yeah, you're not like, I had the idea that when I graduated from ICC, uh, that I, I wouldn't have to continue my interior work, you know, hmm. and um, then it became very obvious because it was part of their rules. If you don't do this, you're out. We take your license away. Hmm. So all, all ICC coaches are doing their own work, you know, um, and uh, that's been wonderful. What a, what a gift, you know doing it i think it's 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 a great it's a great purpose of helping other one like because everyone exactly like you said it in a world that we are today everyone has something that or you are fear about or you want or you are in pain like you said it like top athletes or a normal guy a normal joe like we we said it yeah yeah everyone has got suffering accumulated Mm -hmm. and it's, every it's, single one it's part that's part that's the essence of life mm. because also suffering paradoxically is what makes you evolve <laughs> you know that's the funny thing about life and life's essence is like suffering like the first noble truth of uh, Siddhartha Gautama Buddha <laughs> he said life first truth is life is suffering you suffer Okay, because you're contained in this ego identity that creates attachment to things, you know? And it's in the attachment that suffering is created because you hold on to something that you want to keep, are precious, you know? Or you don't want to have it, right? Mm -hmm. So this is what the addiction or the, the allergy, like I call it, is where suffering lies, you know? <laughs> and, um, but this is also when we look at these addictions or allergies that we, that this is when I flourish because it's like layers of, of, of yourself that are being uh, slowly taken away. You know, that's a painful process, but liberating. So you see, it's all these paradoxes, life is paradox, you know. But, yeah, and I love the idea about the suffering and at the same time, the detachment, like you said it, and that makes you, I will say, near to your true self, to your true exactly. path. Your true self, yes, your S self, yourself with a capital S. I think it's, That's how I like to call it. A really nice idea. I wanted also because I saw in uh, in your videos uh, um, you talking about fear. 
how can we face fear? Or what mm. is the best way to approach fear? If I can say that, I think it's a better question. Yeah, yeah I, 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 um, it's a very good question and um, certainly very important, but I would, I would just add to your question, like, because um, it's not just, how can we, was it a, how can we approach fear or deal with fear? How do you? I think both. If you if you want to answer to both of them, oh, it's the best way to approach fear. And then how can we deal with it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would, so I'll just challenge that question and put it like, how can we approach or deal with fear, anger, shame? You know, all these mm. other emotions that bring us a lot of suffering. You know, because the process is pretty similar to any. Fear is an emotion, anger is an emotion, shame is an emotion. Um, so the approach would be similar, and that's what I try to pass on my videos, is that um, so when you're dealing with any of these powerful emotions, um, I don't call them negative emotions. They're not negative. They're there. They have a huge role. Goodness Lord. If we had no fear, we wouldn't have evolved to where we at. So if we had no anger, we wouldn't have evolved. Same with shame, same with other emotions. Okay, but these three for me are very crucial. Um, and the, the way the approach is like you approach your emotions by feeling them. Majority of people does not feel their emotions. They think their emotions. They analyze and interpret what they may mean, you know. So they approach emotions from here. That's a complete disconnection because the emotions don't happen here. Here you have brain activity that we can measure, yes, and it's important, yes, it's fine. It's interesting data. But that's a reflection of what's happening neck down. So where they happen is in your body. You know, it's a very primitive thing. Okay, it doesn't happen here. This is an extra structure of evolution. Okay, for us human beings, we have a prefrontal cortex. So you have an, a, an incredible ability to, to deep, deep thinking, you know. And taking perspectives and so the way to approach emotions is you need to start disconnecting what's in your current way of being on how you relate to emotions majority of people's current way of dealing with emotions is here mm-hmm. so i normally ask my questions what are you feeling now what's the emotion that's present they, they do they'll do one thing this is universal So they're thinking the emotion. They're trying to think the emotion. It's not going to get there. It's not going to feel anything if you think the emotion. You're just trying to analyze what's going on. And then you go on a rant and you create a story about this emotion. When I just ask you a very simple question, just one word, the answer. What are you feeling? What's the emotion? You know? And it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, it just goes on a story about the emotion but they don't make the click because they haven't felt it. They're still here. So I have to 
you know, slowly but surely conduce them to their body. Stop, stop, you know, because then it's just, and whilst they, as long as they're speaking, they're here, you know, mainly. Mm. So you need to shut that down and just stop and see if you can sense any tension in your body. Okay. Be it fear, anger, shame, panic, whatever. You need to feel in the body what's happening. And then, so that's the first step. You feel the emotion. The second step is you be with the emotion. Stay with it. Stay there. You know? And when you start to stay there, it's like you start for the first time to really pick up the phone and now listen to what the emotion is passing, you know? And this is not, um, this is not black and white. You know, you're, hmm. when you're delving deeper on the, this inner dimension, inner realm, things are not, they lose their logic. Yeah. So logic is very important for certain contexts. I never will take that away. I use logics all the time in my daily life. But when you're working with interiors, logic's gone. You know, you start to work with, with what's personal, but what's transpersonal as well. You know, and here in these realms, uh, there's no logic. Okay, so you need to trust what you're feeling. So it's like how to approach fear and other emotions. Stop, feel it, and be with it. And when you do this enough times, you will notice that what happens is that you transcend the emotion. So suddenly fear is no longer there. Suddenly anger is no longer there. And there's, and, and whatever is there is whatever's left that you find as a result. That's what phone was, what's what the emotion was trying to tell you. All right. There you pick up the phone properly. Okay. Hmm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, again, I still see a lot of, this mental approach to emotions, you know. I see, I see and one thing be said, yeah. sorry, let me just say this. Please, one thing please. be said, I didn't mention it about my, um, I, I call myself a mental coach, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a mental coach because that was the only way that athletes were gonna maybe look at me, you know? Because mm -hmm. in the beginning when I, graduated, I was selling myself as an integral coach, you know, and I was trying to shout out very loudly on how this method is more evolved than others and da, da, da. And, uh, and if two or three years, I realized just no one is buying that shit. Unless it's in a conversation like this, that's fine. But no one is buying your integral, your what? Master integral coach, what's that? <laughs> what is that? So I, for purpose of business and selling myself i just yeah, i'm a mental coach you know and if you ask me i don't really like mental coach because that's like going against what i <laughs> mm -hmm. this whole thing that i'm talking about yeah 
I'm an exactly. HR coach. I'm not a mental coach because mental coaching is here, you know. Exactly. It's not one dimension. It's at least four of them. So yeah. I understand you. I completely understand you. And it's it's like you said that I just wanted to 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 because yeah, I, the the time that you were thinking that yeah, the emotions. At least me, I will talk for myself. It's it's always in analytic way, you know. We try to analyze our emotions, not like and, what what is making to my body the tensions. Why I don't know. I don't know like if there is some connections with back hurts. Why my back it's hurting? I don't. Most likely, yes. Not surprising because emotions and especially blocked emotions, they'll lock in some part of your body. Hmm. And you will stay there until you go there and unblock it with some help of professional who can do that. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do by yourself. Mm-hmm. So. No, but I, I love the idea. No, I really like it. The idea. It's like, and it's the, your approach. It's like, it's, I understand you. It's easier to sell the mental coach, but the aspect that you do, it's much more global. I yeah. will say, I will say now. It includes I want... mental coaching, but much more than that. Exactly. Part of it, it is a mental coaching, like you were saying. Part but... of it, it is. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, <laughs> as they normally say. Okay. So when I give the bath to my five-month-year-old, when time to, she's finished, I keep my baby and I get rid of the water. That's that's it, okay? I don't get rid of everything. Yeah, so same same here. I love it. Now, I also like to answer to to, to my my guests. Uh, How do you describe uh, your mindset? And how being an, uh, like, I will say it, a professional athlete helped you to, 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 to have, I I will say strong, because I, I will describe a professional athlete as a person with a strong mindset. How do you think that the description and how the, the being a professional athlete helped you? Well, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, it uh, strengthens you as you go with all the challenges you, you inevitably are going to experience there. They were slowly um, shaping my, my mindset. Um, uh, at a deep, deep level, you know, but, uh, giving you a, giving me a view of uh, life that, um, you know, you have to take sacrifices. You have to, uh, to, to work for what you want to become. Um, and that, that takes dealing with a lot of challenges and disappointments and etc. And, and that's again, those experiences are, are were what was forming my my mindset, and um, so it's 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 interesting. Apologies. No problem. It's interesting that um, um, my mindset has evolved, you know, and it's interesting that being such an insecure kid, and despite being a very good swimmer, and but I. You know, I lacked so many skills. I socially, I wasn't good. I was extremely insecure, and um, 
and still the mindset, like at mm. a deeper level, that mindset of going for, keep going for your challenges, uh, for your goals, mm. keep fighting for them, sticking to them, believing in them. Um, this was something that was left from these early years in swimming. And it's, um, you know, so I've, what, what basically happens is that I just build capacities around other areas of my life and not, not to do with sports, hmm. um, but also to do with sports, but I just became a more confident and secure uh, person. Um, and so it's, it's like a, a mixture of the depth of my experiences in sw as a swimmer through hmm. the years. That's it's like the foundation, really, because it's that those aspects of you just keep fucking going and believing in yourself. You have faith. Keep fucking going, you know. And then you add to that these new capabilities that you know I've been practicing through the years. And then what you get, or what I consider to be my mindset, is a, a, a very solid but flexible mindset. When you have too much of a solid, rock-solid mindset, that can also break when things don't go so well, you know. And you don't want it to you don't you don't want it to snap. You just want to bend the branch. You know when they're they're uh, they're early, they're young, and they're quite green. You can bend them. You know, Almost break it. So when they're dry, you, it snaps. So that's what I don't you don't want to happen to your mindset. Is it snaps completely? So you, and, and this has to do with the attachments. So how attached are you to your goal and outcome? It's like I want my athletes to, to be, you know, fucking into their goal and I'll support them with that. You fucking attach to that goal you want. But at the same time, and this is a paradox, you have to be able to be loose with that goal you want to attach. Because, because then it snaps. And when it snaps, you can have a breakdown and it's going to take you a long time to overcome it and also it's going to take you longer to learn from what just happened you know so um i believe that there's a time when we're disappointed there should be always a period of time post you know or immediately after where we're going to have to process and be with that pain that disappointment whatever it was so our bodies need that okay because we can't process it fast in the moment. It takes time to process, you know. So just being there uh, or being with your pain for a while within reason, without drowning on your pain, so I don't want that as well. Um, so be there until you start to feel that you're now able to process it. And then you can move on and learn from what happens. As opposed to snap and then it becomes harder because it's like you're dealing with almost like a full recovery mentally emotionally you know?
and it's much tougher and i, I like the, the moment that you said it i, I saw like the image of of uh, bruce lee be like water you know just be like water and it's i really 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 like your idea and like working towards your goals i think that is quite important because i think it's sometimes myself i get mistaken with that work towards your goal but if you don't achieve it it's it's not the end of the world you know like don't let yourself break it just because you don't achieve it like keep going i think it's a great idea like don't get yourself it's stuck. a balance a balance of, of being connected with the process that you're under mm -hmm. as opposed to just being connected with the outcome, the results the final results that's in the future, distant, you know, it's not here right now. So uh, again, it's paradoxical because I'm not, it's not to say that you don't focus on the goal, the distant mm -hmm. goal. Yeah, focus on that, but pay more attention to the process you're under, you know, because mm. this is where the, the process, when you connect to the process, you're immediately in the present, in the moment. You're right now, you're right now, you're right now. And that's where the juice is. And that's where the truth is. I love the idea. I love the idea. Can you can you talk a little bit like I love the idea because yes, yeah, sometimes we focus so much on the future, but we forget to live the present. And like you said, it it's where the juice are. Like it's it's so right and like again again i think it's quite important like how can you sometimes focus more and more in the present and don't let uh, ourselves going so much to the future or to the past some people <laughs> well just said it. Well stay, said locked, it. stay locked in the past yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's true mm-hmm I mean, I'm not going to say, well, we'll meditate and you're going to be more, you're going to stick more to the presence. <clears throat> I would say that's partially true. That could help. Maybe if it's an anxious person, that's not going to help. Um, but I would say it's a, a, the way you live your life. the most integral way possible that you live your life so you're paying attention to certain stuff that we mentioned here you're paying attention to the exteriors to the interiors to your individual and to your collective and then you're paying attention to body mind soul spirit mm. that's the start and so these all the practices that you can do around here will help you stay or here that's how i could answer i think it's a nice really nice idea also i, I like to I, i know that you talk a little bit about pressure how can we deal with the not always as athlete but as a person our daily pressure how is the best way to deal with our daily pressure that we all have You know, I, th I think the answer is similar to the emotion mm -hmm. reply I gave. 
stop, feel it, be with it, you know. Um, pressure we feel is coming from a place of fear. When we feel pressure, because we feel pressure because of an outcome uh, that we don't want to happen. We want a specific outcome and not the other. So the pressure we're feeling is like, we're just feeling fear. We're just scared that that outcome is not going to happen. And at the deeper level, that's at the superficial level. At the deeper level, you're scared of some other real, real stuff, you know. You're scared of, you know, not having the acknowledgement you were seeking from your parents or from your teacher or, you know, your wife. And at that deeper level, you're scared of being alone, being left alone in the world. That's a, um, a sentiment or a fear that I see my daughter dealing with when she wakes up and her mom is not there. So you have this fear of being separate and left alone. You know, it's, it's part of our, it's part of our growth. Mm. Um, it's a great, great, great. Let me ask you now about daily habits. Do you have any daily habits? Um, well, I'll be honest to say that my life since my daughter was born has been <laughs> shaken a bit. Um, so my daily habits is waking up around 6 a.m. and 6, 7 a.m., depending on how she slept and uh, staying with her. And when, when I'm with her, there's not much that I can do for as much as I try. Maybe I'm going to work here a bit. And so I just gave up now. Uh, they need constant attention, so <laughs> my practice is to be with her now. But I can tell you, before she was born, I was, you know, I meditate since 2007. Or, no, I meditate since 2006. I started my meditation practice, and uh, I kept it throughout. And so what was a normal morning for me was waking up, um, doing... Um, Sitting for 30 minutes, uh, observe my breath, or focusing on a part of my body, and just connecting there. And then I'll do some type of physical practice to raise my energy levels. It can be some series of press ups, uh, some yoga poses or normally something with a high intensity because I love high intensity as well and that wakes my body up mm. it's like waking up my mind and my heart first and then waking up the body that's a normal routine that I'll, mm. I'm, that I'm wishing I can go back I think soon when she starts to stay with her grandmother and maybe I'm going to be able to go back to these practices. And, uh, uh, I mean, this is still an excuse because then I can deliver her to back to the mom and I 
I could organize myself, but that's not easy. No. Not easy. And it's also, uh, you live this one time, in, you know, so I think it's part of enjoying to be a father. It's just enjoying this time. So I think you have time to routines after, after enjoying this time. Like I wanted to ask you, which of the, the, the daily habits you will suggest me to start today? Or to me or to the listeners or viewers? Or it will depend also from the person. Now that with the conversation going. Yes, totally. It's tough. I was going to say it's a tough question because what the person really needs, you know. Um, you can book a call with me and I'll, I'll let you know okay. <laughs> what maybe is going to be good for you or important for you or the listeners can book a call with me it's for mm. free, it has no compromise the first call so. um, yeah, I can say so many things you know, I think it's I think it's fair to, to leave it like that because it I can tell you, you know, go running for 30 minutes and maybe mm. running is going to be a great practice for you. Or maybe it's not going to be so good for you. you know? mm. There's so many good practices out there that there's so many that I can say, but, um, but in terms of what you need, then mm. I'd have to listen to you first mm. to then decide or any one of our listeners. Mm. Yeah, no, 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 but it's a great advice. And I don't I know if this is a spoiler. No, 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 no. It's completely, yeah. and it's like, it's like you said it, like it's from person to person. Maybe you can try to run as an example. If I feel that it's not for me, I can try to meditate. If I feel that it's not for me, like you were saying, I can try to do yoga. Also a little bit of the connection that you were saying, you have to have to try to have the connection with yourself. Um, let me ask you, we are almost ending uh, legacy. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? I want to change the way that high competitive sports are being uh, experienced by athletes and being run by the system where the society we're under to transform it to a healthy place of, um, where athletes can empower themselves as athletes and empower their performances so we get better performances but also they are learning about themselves through doing it and so they are growing their interior dimensions as human beings they're unfolding to higher potentials um, so that's the legacy i want to leave it's perfect now I, I don't know if you like to read if you are a big reader or not yeah, I love reading. Um, don't do it as much as I would like. Can you advise me a, 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 totally, a totally. nice book? Yes, I'll advise you. Also. I thought about this. Um, uh, um, a Theory of Everything by Ken Wilber. And I would suggest also Integral Psychology by Ken Ruler. Since I spoke so much about, you know, the theory and the method, 
I think it's um, plausible mm -hmm. adequate to, to suggest some can do we reading. Of course it is. Uh, I what also to know if you have any new projects to share with me and the listeners? Well, um, currently I'm, uh, you know, uh, I've created, uh, just launched my workshop for athletes. Okay. I created one for sports coaches and created this now more, more recently. A year ago I created for sports coaches and now I've, with the COVID crisis I created one for athletes. It was already a project. Um, and... Um, and I'm wanting to shift, uh, adapt uh, this workshop for athletes and the one for coaches, for sports coaches, to a course, online course, so that I can then launch and uh, so that more people have, can have access to it. It's a good, so that's, great idea. Apparently, that's, that's what I'm working on. I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea to give it the information. And now I like to ask it also where the people, if they want to, to, to have a call with you, where the people can find you in your social media? Well, they, <clears throat> social media uh, potentially is the easiest. Um, so mental coaching for, as in the number four sports, mental coaching for sports um, is where they can find me on Instagram. Then you can um, email me at uh, mentalcoaching at nemmentalcoaching.com. So there's two M's there at all. So mentalcoaching at nm, which is Nuno Matos, mentalcoaching.com. So they can email me there. And uh, yeah, I think that would be the easiest. Right? So if you go to my website, it's www.nemmentalcoaching.com. Then you have access to everything. So there's the email there, there's the social media. Um, I'm not suggesting Facebook because I'm not using Facebook so much anymore. Mm. It's still there. And you even have my mobile there, mobile number, so you can contact me easily. We'll put after in the, in the description of, of the the video the the website and also the Instagram if the people prefer to just DM you. I think it's more casual way to do it. To end yeah. it, uh, do you have any last advice to me and for the listeners and the and viewers? Hmm. Uh, I'll just say. Let me check. Yeah, I think whatever may be happening in your life um, is for a reason. Be very tough or very good, and that uh, to so you make the most to learn from what's happening now. If you make your best to really listen, not just not like this listening, but like 
listening from the heart to what life is wanting from you and how life is moving through you and allow it to in its own way or in its own ways to, to propel you forward or backwards if that's what's happening now to accept that um, it's all part of living and it's all part of this mystery we're under that uh, increases as you delve deeper into who you truly are. It's a great last advice. Nuno, thank you so much for having the time. Guys, don't forget to to go to, to Nuno's Instagram, to his website, give them some thumbs up and don't forget to visit us thank you so much no no one more time hello thank you